Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two. Here with my buddy, Josh Patterson. Fatty got to see you about it. Is that your introduction for yeah. the part two? Oh, wow. You like it? Why just you throw me off on this podcast with these introductions? I don't know when we're starting. It's because it's so natural. That's it's why. so natural. You, it's, just, it's just so natural. Oh, honestly, it feels good to, to see you again. Because the nice thing about Jay, some of you may really enjoy today's podcast. Him and I are just yin and yang. We, we make are. each other laugh. We yeah. come away so inspired. <laughs> yeah. And I come away going, this was the day where we are going to start spending more time together three years later. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm, I'm terrible. My, my biggest thing now since getting married is um, connecting with people again. I think leading up to my marriage and all that whole year, I was ADHD, so laser focused into having a wedding, doing podcasts, blah, blah, blah. And I just, there was no outside space. Like I, I honestly, I would go from one meeting to a podcast, to a podcast, to a meeting, to a podcast, to the point where I felt like I was on this hamster wheel. It was actually quite negative. And then when I had the wedding... And I was, I could breathe for a week before leading up to it. I was like, this is what life is. I was like, oh my God, life is like, doesn't have to be that constant ba 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 all the time. Yeah. Can I, can I actually say two things though about your wedding? Yeah. Can, can I? So number one, um, you know how you guys went out your way to do this really sweet gesture of like the little note on the plate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mine was shit. No, it wasn't. Was it really? Right, I'm going to throw it out there. So <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I hadn't clocked mine, right? Everybody else is around. It yeah. was like, you know, such and such. Yeah. You're like the ocean, like cri- <laughs> crystal clear and like the waves and all this stuff and like inspiring. And somebody else, it was like, you know, if anyone's going to change the world, it's going to be you and all this. And then mine. What was it, yours? Did you write them or did you pay someone? Because I need to have a we, word with we, them. We got a friend to do it. What did yours say? But I gave, I gave little tips. Right. Jo- mine was like Josh Patterson. You ran 76 marathons in 76 days, which I know. <laughs> You, something and then literally followed up with like you go buddy <laughs> like the girl next to me like oh, i don't know whether she's single or not but i think that was the moment she was like i'm actually quite intrigued to know what this guy's characteristics are like so all these guys are like oh my god he's so authentic and inspirational and empathetic and like this she was like oh what's yours like and i was like well this is my time to shine and she was like you go buddy i was like what but secondly what i would say I was very, very, very humbled when you gave me a, a shout out in your speech. Oh, really? Are you joking? To have a shout out at a speech. Also, you just opened the door to a lot of people that night. Yeah. Like a lot of men that ordinarily would probably not say anything were like, oh, well, strong handshake. Well, dude, and- I, I, got, I had to, man. You had you come straight from, you had finished the last marathon, the 76th, 76th day, and then you come straight to the wedding 
And uh, yeah, at the beginning of the speech, I, I was just thanking, I said, I want to say thank you to my buddy, Josh Patterson, 76 marathons, 76 days, 76 days, raising money for Samaritans. I mean, what an unbelievable job. I couldn't see you there. I was trying to find you and I couldn't, I didn't know where you were, but I was shouting you out. No, I, I well, yeah, that was also the awkward moment because I actually stood up to like <laughs> be acknowledged by the crowd and you, and you were like, Farah? I was like, this is, Farah. I was like blowing these kisses and people were looking at me being like, this is actually a bit awkward and cringe now. So I just sat down and just fucking lost that moment. But, uh, it's like I've gone mad again. I, just, I was just waiting for the applause and it just never came. But you, you um, by the way, like when, when Soph appeared and you turned and you got emotional, like that was really, that was a moment I'll remember for the rest of my life. Because that for me is what this love terrifies me, mate. I'll be honest. Um, it is scary. But you, that, what you showed there, I think is what's the most amazing thing about love was that reaction and your speech. I mean, I know obviously you're in this space and you're one of the best talkers we know. Your speech was just fucking amazing. I genuinely, yeah, as much as I adore them, you really fucked over your best man and woman, I'm going to be honest. Because to follow <laughs> that, like, Toby's a great guy, but... That was a hard act to follow. Oh, Fala, that honestly means the world. And for you to be there was just, it was just the, it was just the greatest day in, in, I mean, it was just amazing in so many ways, but look, this isn't about me. I, I, I honestly did. I want to hear this because, okay, you've done your, as you said, you arrived at my wedding, your body, I must've been honestly fucked. 76 man in 76 days. This was, what challenge number was this for you? What, how many challenges have you done before this? Um, like, but like, like, like big ones. Okay. Like not running around Hyde Park doing a marathon, no. but like when was the first one that you went, okay, I'm going to give this a go? Berlin. Which, what, what Berlin Marathon? Did doing Ber the wheelchair. I did, yeah, I did Berlin in a wheelchair with Tano. So I did uh, Berlin, then we did John O'Groat Salen's end. Wait, just a bit to spell it out. So you did, you did... A, your friend was in a car accident. Yeah, but I feel, have, do people, I feel like people know, do no, people know No, trust this? me, not, no. no you, it, the funny thing about, uh, which I realised, is that you think everyone knows, because right. you've said it a lot. Yeah. Trust me, people listening now don't know. Okay. I listened to an interview with Harry Hill, right? With Rob, <laughs> Rob Brydon and Harry Hill. And Rob Brydon said, why do you have the collar popped up the top? And he went, oh, everyone knows that. And I was listening going, I don't know that. I want to hear that. Fair. You know what I mean? So Fair. I promise you people listening now will want to hear that. it. So yeah, I so yeah, it started off, first one I did was uh, Berlin in, in a day chair, wheelchair. So it's like a regular wheelchair yeah. with my best friend Tano who who uh, was paralyzed from a motorbike accident. And, yeah, and actually it was, he came to meet India. So I actually have the photo of him standing for the very last time holding her, which is crazy when you look at that moment. Wow. Um, and actually what, just touching on that, because this is like one of my, the most inspiring moments I think from him as an individual, which really rubs off on me is he called me up and he's like, Hey, he's like, Hey bud, um, just been told by the doctors, I'm not going to walk again. And I was just like, Oh my God. And he's like, I had a cry for about two minutes. He's like, I'm over it now. I've got, I've got my first goal in sight. I was like, what's that? He's like, listen, Fern's only 12, but one day she's going to want to get married. And when she does, I am going to be the man who walks her down the aisle. He's like, I got that like strung in my heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, fuck, mate. In that moment, imagine what I was oh like. My God, oh, I, was, I was trying to hold it together. Oh my but God. But that's the person he is, and so this is what I mean about surrounding yourself with exceptional people. Yeah. When I have somebody like that who's had something taken from him, and that's his reaction, you surround yourself with people like that, mate, and anything is possible. <laughs> so you did this marathon with him. So did, so did it? Yeah. So basically, spent two years in a wheelchair. Just, just genuinely, I would commute to work. 
in this wheelchair. Hands weren't great. Back was really not in a great spot. The day chest lower I, back and lower back, lower right? back, yeah, because you're just the position that you're in. Just it's it's not it's not the not best. Um, but that was really really special. Um, that was an unbelievable. So that's twenty six point two miles or whatever marathon is. And what was really funny about Berlin? This is actually crazy. So we arrived. All these donations for charity. And we're literally at the start line with like 40 minutes to go. And they're like, we're just doing a check on equipment. Have you got your helmets? And I was like, helmet? What the fuck would I wear a helmet for? They're like, it's health and safety. I was like, well, we don't. A military helmet. Literally, with a visor. (laughs) So I was like, what does that mean? They were like, no helmet, no race. What? So we've got all our family, all these donations. I've been training in a wheelchair, commuting to work for a long time. I was like, I'm fucking not not doing this this race. So I I think I ran 10k before the marathon, trying to get any random local person to give me their helmet for this race. Can you imagine explaining? You would have been so panicked as well. Explaining to a German person <laughs> who has broken English that you're doing a marathon in a wheelchair and you need their helmet. It's not convincing. Because so, also you're running. And I'm running. Like, you know, so we, thank God. And I, we missed our first wave. Yeah. We missed the second wave. And there was this guy who just didn't give a shit. But there was also a woman who could see like how much this meant. And she was like willing to break the rules in order for us to be able to do this. And eventually we got the helmets. I literally fucking get straight to Tano, stick the helmet on his head. Mine was dire. I was actually quite upset how bad I looked in this helmet because the rest of it looked quite cool. So strange that Oh, And anyway, we get, so we literally get there. And at this point they get all the elites to like get together at the start line. Mm. Because it was so like heavily blocked, the elites had to lift us in our wheelchairs and like to the start line. Everyone had gone, all the wheelchair users and everyone had gone. So for about two, three K, it was just Tano and I and the German audience, which was amazing. <laughs> but the reason why this was so cool was there was a guy called Kitchogi, right? Mm. The fastest marathon runner of all time. Him and his entourage, we had GoPros and everything because we were filming a documentary. We're in the middle of this road and then Kipchoge just run passes with no. his crew. And there's Tano and I on the footage, I think, like <laughs> trying to chase him down. But that was... that was... Looks like you're wanking each other <laughs> up. <laughs> I imagine. But the, that night, I remember in Berlin, I was so exhausted from running and yeah. then doing the marathon... And we're in this bar. I hadn't even had a drop of alcohol and I fell asleep three times and the security came up to him and was like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I was like, why? He's like, you've had too much to drink. I was like, I haven't, mate. I've literally just done a marathon in a wheelchair. And he went, that's not fucking funny, mate. I was like, I'm not joking. This is the problem when you do stuff. So anyway, got, yeah, people don't believe it. Yeah, they don't believe it. And I was like, no, trust me. Look at my disabled friend over there. It's like, this is a sick joke. Kick, kicks me out. So that that was kind of like look my at my disabled friend uh, this, over there. This, this that was my intro to to doing it. And then I uh, I did John O'Groats to Land's End, which is it can vary in distance, but the way I had to do it ended up being like 900 miles. And that was in a race chair. So you basically just sit on your legs and I broke the world record. That took me 19 days. And that, Was that harder than Berlin? Yeah, um, like a, a different kettle of fish. I think in terms of pain and mindset, that was up, that was top two hardest I think I've ever done because it was, you know, I would be in a wheelchair for 16 hours a day sometimes. And I was in a position that just wasn't natural um, you know, when you have sensation. How do you get sensation. your mind through that? Well, mate, I think this is what I mean. I think I, through my traumas, it's broken me in such a way that it's built me up to be a different 
monster in all honesty like um and it's channeling that it either goes down the very negative route or mm. something where it's constructive yeah um and i think i'm only now really touching on i think how far i can really take it but also ultimately for me it was about my best friend and i needed him to know that there was a reason to wake up every day and that there would be a possibility of recovery but also the people that were being exposed to these challenges for them to see it too there are so many individuals that sustain injuries and believe that life is over or are told they'll never walk again and believe it. And what Tano and I want to achieve is that when they're told that, you can never guarantee a person will walk again, but I want to at least try exactly instill that belief that they can. And again, it's about, you know, better to do something, you know, than, yeah. than regret having never done it. And for me, I would rather someone give it their all. And at the end of two years or a year, whatever it might be, some might not be successful in that, but what if they are, you know? Um, you just give it a go. So you do that one, you then- So we did that one, yeah. And then after the two years, it got to the point where the team were like, listen, your body isn't in a great place right now. And it's great that you want to do this, but let's maybe just invest into something else and we'll just give the body some time to just kind of recalibrate. Why, what's happened to your body? Well, you know, my back was not in a great place at all. I think just- the, the mental like exhaustion from it as well was just yeah. intense. But I think it was it was more actually just the physical, like my back was just not in a great place. I basically, because that because of the 19 days, my back went into spasm like week one and ah. I just, just kind of went through the motions with it. So I was kind of pushing through substantial amounts of pain. Um, and it, yeah, it just, it, it wasn't great. So it was just one of those things where it's like, listen, it's great you have a passion for this, but it's not worth you causing Ruin irreversible sure. damage. So that's when I kind of thought about how can I actually get more people invested? And that's when running kind of came into the mix. I hated it. Did not like running. I actually took up running. My first ever run was when I was living at Sam's. I did mm. like a 5K and hated thought it was it. just the worst thing in the world. But I liked the idea of subjecting myself again to something that I didn't like because then the reward would have been greater. Yeah. And so we, I kind of came up with the idea of running a marathon in every city in the UK. So I'd gone from never running to doing that. And that's when uh, Ben Parker, my business partner and my coach at the time, who's actually featured on your podcast, apparently you guys, he wrote in about a story of him peeing on his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, did he? I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Now I wish I had more context to that story because I don't know if that was for fun or whether he was trying to save her from a jellyfish. I'll let you- I remember I'll, that story. I'll let you, the listener, make your mind up on that one. And I remember going for a meeting with him and he was like, how can I help you? And I was like, bud, I've got this idea. I really want to run a marathon in every city in the UK. And he's like, cool. How long have you been running for? And I was like, a month. And I just saw his face like, what? He's like, so how far have you run? I was like, well, I did a 12K. And he's like, are you all right? Yeah. But then when I think he saw the previous challenges, he's like, this guy obviously has something. So we yeah. can work on that. We'll just see how it responds. So we kind of were like doing some training and just seeing how things would do. Then COVID hit in. And that's when I got a phone call from a friend who works for a charity and just said, listen, we've had a 37% increase in phone calls. People are really struggling right now, which we all, you know, we can yeah. all relate to. And I just felt really compelled to help them. But we, obviously we were restricted to our homes and weren't allowed to leave. And that, I, I think it was like one in the morning, I went and measured my 14 foot patio and was like, right, let's try to do some consecutive marathons around this, which I'd never what? done. Did the six and five, because originally- Six the, marathons and five Well, the, the plan was to do five and five. And then I ended up doing six and five. I did an ultra on the final day against everyone's wishes because I just thought, well, 
not doing anything else. Let's just give it a go. Now to kind of put it into context, to achieve one mile around that patio because of the distance took 80 loops. So like dealing with the mental side of things was really interesting for me. 80 um, loops is one mile? Was one mile around my patio. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah, that's a lot of loops. Yeah. But again, that's the perks of a low IQ. <laughs> well, you lose count quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're just one, going off your watch, two, two one, <laughs> seven, two. six. Um, and then, yeah, we. I think for me, the thrill from that was the impact that made. So many people got behind that and it gave some, it gave people something to invest in that was positive and... It, you know, for a lot of people who struggled, it opened, it got them to open up, which was amazing. And then I kind of was just umming and ahhing. I've never, I'd never done a 24 hour run before, but I was like, fuck, should we just try 24 hours around this thing? And that is ridiculous. Well, that's a lot of running loops. for 24 hours. Yeah. So I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure what the aim would be. I would, I love the idea of doing four marathons, just clean number, but I wasn't sure, but it got to like, I think it was about 80 and I was fucking struggling. And the worst thing was Reese who came over for like- 80 what? 80 miles in. Oh And like Reese who came over, um, he was meant to be there also for like moral support. He decided to go to bed at like 11 o'clock at night and then didn't wake up until six. And I'll be honest, like that was the window where I really needed yeah, him. Tough. So I was hallucinating pretty badly at that point. <laughs> and with the foxes going Pete Tong, like- <laughs> It got to the point where I remember calling a friend really, I think it was actually Tano. And I was so disorientated that with the combination of the foxes um, shout, shouting, the foxes shout. <laughs> yeah, they shout. Yeah, yeah the shouting foxes. <laughs> and my olive trees slapping me, I started to think the foxes were attacking me. So like I would get paranoid every time with my <laughs> neck. <laughs> <backing up. laughs> So by the time Reese arrived, I was just a mess. But <laughs> I just, once sunlight kind of came out, yeah, it's different, right? Yeah, it yeah, becomes yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. And the police sirens and the ambulances, back, just yeah. that beautiful ambience of London. <laughs> I was like, I'm home again. I'm back. And I ended up running, I think it was 105 miles. So I ran just over the four, which was, which was mega. But that was the moment I think people um, maybe started to take note and were like, okay, this, this, isn't, this isn't, I don't know. It's something bigger, right? It's something, it's bigger. something bigger. Like he, he has something in him. And so I decided to kind of, branch out a, a bit bigger. And I, for me right now, I really, I think we're so divided. And so there was a way in which I really wanted to write, reconnect and make sure that with whatever work I do, I could invest and support all four nations of the UK. Hey, you know, there's a statistic right now, which is quite scary, which is they say they asked, uh, they asked the average in America, they asked the average American, this is like 20 years ago, asked the average American, uh, how many people they could turn to in their lives to ask for support. And the average answer was three people or four people they could turn to. I think it was three or four, I can't remember. They did the same test uh, last year. They asked the average American who they could turn to and the average answer was zero. Oh. Yeah, the world has become a disconnected place. It's Big really time. upsetting. Which is weird when you look at the world. We well, we're so, in. We're, 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 in, we're a, such a nation, which is, we're, we're a generation which is so connected, but so disconnected at the same time. Because people think that talking on phones and messaging people on Facebook is connection. It's not. You need that human contact. You need it 100%. But also I think when you look at the media as well as there's a lot of articles that are quite damaging. They are, they, you know, it's clickbait. But ultimately, all you're doing is, is making, creating an animosity between two. And mm. I don't like that because for me, We've, you know, I've been lucky enough to live in or explore all four nations and I, I call them all home. For me, the UK is my home. And yeah. so 
I want to help as many as possible. And I think that's what tends to happen with charity where you get people with this mindset of like, why would I donate money if it's only going to benefit the South or is only going to benefit the English? So for me, again, it's about giving back to the countries that have given to me. And that's when Run Four Nations came into the mix where I started to realize that the world firsts was what really excited me because there's no comparisons. Mm. This is the biggest, biggest frustration of mine is comparisons in life, always. So when you create something where you can't compare, there's no there's no question to be had with it. It's just, okay, this is pretty cool because it's not been done. But also it makes it exciting for me and the team to try to figure out a blueprint for something when there is no blueprint essentially to be had. And um, the plan was to run a marathon in all four of the UK countries within 24 hours. And again, the pain that was I kind of subjected, because the issue with that was my ligament in my knee, my calf and my foot um, completely went at the start of marathon two. That was like, that was next level. And I just finished it in time in 23 hours, 47 minutes. You took a helicopter to different places, right? I did. So this is the annoying thing. So Guinness Book of Records wouldn't... um, Say it wouldn't wouldn't make that an official record because Why? I because I wasn't taking public transport. Now my argument to that is when Red Bull got a guy to jump out of space, that was a record. <laughs> Hammersmith and Fulham Council did not lend them that. Like <laughs> there's some inconsistencies with the Guinness Book of Records. What? So they went because it was not public transport. No. It didn't count as a record. But at the same time, like you know. It, it is recognized by people that, that, of course that it is. that's the case. And so after doing that, I took a little bit of time out because I think this was it. Every, every time you do a challenge, everyone constantly is asking you what's next or how fast are you run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, for me, it was like, be patient. I want longevity in this. I've got no reason to rush. That being said, I did then run uh, an ultra in a jungle. So I didn't quite have the time off that I wanted, but oh that, that was God. very special. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The big, big one was this year, which was uh, the biggest dream of all, uh, run for one million. And that was to run a marathon in all 76 UK cities consecutively. Um, and, that and the was reason Samar- is, and that the, the reason is because there's, you said there's a Samaritan call center in every single city. Well, number one, all 76 cities meant I had the strongest chance of connecting with as many people within the UK as possible. And then two, the charity that I chose, it was important, yes, that they had a hub in every single one of those cities so that the money would benefit the entirety of the UK. Because wow. everyone's struggling. And um, I, I feel like I've learned so much from that challenge and the experience in terms of how I think things can be rectified, what people need. I saw what was the best about the UK, mate. I mean, really? Ah, oh, like there were, there were minor moments where... In Wakefield, 
we were running loops to do this marathon and there was like 12 homeless men and women just doing what they do every day. And it was quite playful. They were heckling us every time we'd run past, like run faster or, you mm. know, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> but um, they were very sweet. And at the end of it, when we finished, one of the guys came up and donated five pounds of his money to the Samaritan's charity, right? And that for me now has really inspired me That's to very cool. do something about that because that was... That meant a lot. That That's five pounds cool. to somebody else is a million. That's very cool. And um, we were joined by some prison uh, officers in Nottingham. Most amazing guys running their first marathon. and They completed it? They completed it. Wow. And they came to join. But the reason why their story was inspiring was the relationship they've built with their prisoners. And they were really inspired by the prison officers who are big figures in their lives now. And they collectively donated like 350 pounds to the charity. Amazing. And um, what's been really interesting is when you have these conversations with individuals, so like when I was speaking to the prison guards, they're like, how do we expect a prisoner to not reoffend if you don't give them hope, right? Mm -hmm. Or responsibility. And he said, you know, this is probably a bit too deep. For no, 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 do know. it. I like it. Go. But like there was, there was one example. He said, one of the guys who I, he was like, I adore, he's a great guy, was born into a world where he is, basically he was born into a brothel. His mother was a prostitute and the father was a heroin addict. And the mother basically did her job <laughs> to fund the, the father's addiction. Right? Yeah. This is definitely not where private Big parts combo. has been. No, no, yeah, yeah, Woo! yeah. Here yeah. we go, And baby. you guys tune in today to laugh. How <laughs> fucking go, stupid were you? Come on, yeah, tell yeah. me. I hope this doesn't go out on a Monday because this is probably not the best story to start their week off. But but again, what so he was like, how can, as a society can we expect this guy to get it right when he was born into this world yeah, to yeah. fail. His whole, his whole, his whole setup was failure. Yeah. And he's never been supported. He's never been given hope. And so when they come to me, he's like, I'm in charge of the gym. They have my time. I let them believe that anything's possible. And he said, so many of these guys don't reoffend now and they have families, they have businesses Amazing. or they've, they've got a career, which is fantastic. And, um, it, it's just nice to see that positive change is happening. And actually it was a reminder of how many good people there are in these four nations and around the world that just want to make that it's change. Amazing. And I, I would just wish we could see more of that fadder because right now, it, I don't know, man, I'm just... I agree with you, man. It, it, it's a tough place. How much did you raise for the run to, to, to one million? <laughs> Not a million. Yeah, but <laughs> listen, that doesn't matter. Yeah, so the, it was ambitious. I Do you know what? But that does not matter, Fadda. No, it doesn't. Truthfully, so this is my frustration. I believed we could raise the million, mm -hmm. but the only way we would achieve that is if the media got behind it. Yeah, of course. All four nations, not just England. And the biggest disappointment for me was the lack of support from the media as a whole. Like I, it, it wasn't a case of it, someone shouldn't have been you know, promoted and we should have or anything. It just got to the point where no one could understand what the logic was. Because for me, there's no point. Do you the think media, it's because we did a reality show about being posh? I, th I think, well, yeah, because I think you get a lot of journalists just asking this really frustrating question of like, people might think you're from privilege. It's like, right, but what, what's your point there? You're from privilege. 
I went to boarding school. My dad's from poverty in Northern Ireland and earned his money. You know? But also so it's, like, it's our parents. It's not us. Is it like, our also, parents? Yeah. like I said to you, don't judge a person for what they have. Judge how they, you know, what, yeah. they, what they wish to do with it. I am privileged, but I've committed my life to wanting to help other people for many different reasons. And I think if you look at the choices I've made over the past six years, they're not fucking easy. <laughs> like mm. I've broken myself many a time because I'm that passionate about it. Um, and I just think, I don't know, there was just a, there was a reluctance and a disrespect to a degree in some, in certain ways of how they may have introduced me in certain interviews. And it's a shame because I think when you're listening to the media talking about the statistics of, of mental illness and it's on the rise and you literally have a guy who struggles with his mental health running 76 marathons, connecting the United Kingdom, and you don't see that as like an article or a necessity to push that, it fucking blows my mind. Yeah. But what we'll do is we'll prioritize, you know, what presenters fucking shagging or who they're shagging or what they've drank or what they're doing. And you're like, yeah. but is it that important? Why do we need to waste our energy on the things that are relevant when there are so many good things out there? And that's not just me. I've met so many times, so many remarkable people in this world doing these wonderful things and they're not being heard, they're not being noticed and they're not being given the platforms that they deserve. And I don't know why that is. And I'm still trying to figure that out. So, you know, in terms of the Josh donation- Josh earlier campaigning for, <laughs> so, campaigning to this, become yeah. uh, president. So actually, <laughs> I've actually got a big announcement. I was really inspired by the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, documentary. And I, I am, love that documentary. I am actually running for mayor. So Sadi Khan, <laughs> your time is up, my friend. By the way, were there any disasters on the marathon as well? Yeah, there was one which wasn't great. Um, let's bring it back to being lighthearted again. We've gone political. So I, we stayed at, so Chris Taylor, my right-hand man, we were staying in a house in Cardiff. We're staying at his friend's house. They very kindly give, uh, they've got two spare rooms. So Chris takes one, they offer me it. And I'm like, that's really kind of you. But Reese, my cameraman, who was, I really want him to have a good night's sleep because it was what they, he went through daily, like trying to film and edit was crazy. So put the team first. And um, so I get into this house and they've got this black lab and I've never had a dog dislike me. This fucking thing despised me. And every time I walked into the room, he didn't stop growling, like relentlessly. I tried to make friends with him, be kind, break the barriers down, having none of it. So basically the the very, I won't say their names out of respect, but she very kindly gave me the key and was like, listen, if you need to come in and use a toilet or anything, like just you know, help yourself in. So I was set for failure from the minute I left that house. <laughs> now I stupidly didn't go to the toilet before I left. Number two I or one? I, number two, and I should have. Yeah, there you go. And both of them were doctors. She was pregnant. He had morning shift, like super early. I think he said morning shit. She was a doctor, he had morning shit. Yeah. So he hogged the loo. <laughs> And um, so basically I get back into the camper van and the one rule we had was you cannot, you can't take a shit basically in the camper. Because it stinks it. Because I had to clean it out prior because a lot of people using it and it was acidic. Like my room was right next to it. It was the worst thing. So I get in and within minutes, I my stomach is like rumbling basically, but they'd gone to bed. So I was like, fuck, what do I do? And I remember going to the house and it's like the dog sensed me. It starts growling. So I cannot actually get into the house and do what I need to do. And everywhere is shut because of the time of night. 
So I'm literally going up and down this street and in this camper, freaking out, trying to find a solution. And I wasn't insured to drive the camper to take me to like a McDonald's or something. So I get into the camper, I'm like, I've got no choice. So I ended up getting a Sainsbury's shopping bag, outlining the toilet and taking a poop in this bag, right? And it was, which I'm going to be honest, mate, at 33 years of age, when people go, you know, you've, you've done well in life. That's when you question where you've gone wrong. So, did you, I've, did you tie it up? so I've tied it up, right? And I remember leaving it in the toilet and like, I'll get up early tomorrow and I'll chuck it away. You left it in there? I left it in there. And I forgot about it. It was only when I went to brush my teeth, we'd already driven to the checkpoint and the camper van starts filling up. So I have to get it out because at some point somebody's going to go in there and I just don't really want someone accidentally picking up my bag of poop, to be honest. So I grabbed this bag and I've really shiftily like gone to leave the camper Mm. and the timing couldn't have been worse. I open up the door to run to the fucking bins and two of my close friends have surprised me. So I had to hug the both of them with my poop on their backs, <laughs> which is so bad. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> and um, yeah, so good. Yeah, and and had to later apologise to to one of them and was like, "I'm really sorry if I seemed off there." I genuinely was very happy. But, oh my god, Fanny, yeah. that is so genius. But yeah. what is next though? Have you you must have a new challenge in your mind that you want to do there is but i don't think there's a rush i think right now because we're only like a month away from the last one by the way we didn't say we you, you raised oh yeah so we you, i think we'll finish on about four hundred thousand. that is unfreaking believable dude. oh mate i mean the most i've four hundred thousand yeah, pounds the, mo- the most i've raised for for a charity was 28 and a single go so Amazing. on a personal level trust me it was a huge success and don't get me like there is I, I don't look at that money and think I'm really disappointed. It's not that. It's just with our mindsets and the ambitions you have, Fair. my frustration is that it could have been and it wasn't because of something. Don't else. be frustrated at all. But you, you listen, you, you raising any sort of money is phenomenal. Raising four hundred thousand pounds out of your own uh out of your own means and doing it yourself is unbelievable. So what if it was run for a minute? It doesn't matter. That, that's what you would have loved to have hit, right? But it does. You hit four hundred thousand pounds. Well, how do it doesn't you? Doesn't matter if you've done like when, ten pounds. When you start doing corporate talks, though, to really successful CEOs, yeah. right? And the challenge is called run for a million, and then they put up that four hundred thousand was raised. It's it, it's had. But that was the ultimate target, yeah. and you could still do that. Yeah. I, I, I truly think you will. But so what's the next challenge? Come on, give it to us. I don't make, do you know what? You don't know? Well, no, I, I, you, come on, no, baby. No, no, no. Come on, baby. No. So I don't, I don't know when, I think. Is I, it going to be bigger than the last? It's not a case of being bigger. Come on, we know what bigger and smaller is. No, I tell you what, I tell you what I'm inspired by at the minute. And I think what's, what I will say is what I think is really important is that with these challenges, it's not about being bigger and showing, you know, even more intensity because that's just not sustainable. Yeah. And it's not a case of, I think people would disconnect from that. The reason why I think people really connected with run for one million was because I didn't give a shit about time. We weren't running PB marathon times. My attitude was, and I think we really publicized that with the runners that came was we start at this time and we, like, we'd start at nine and the ambition was finished to say by two thirty three o'clock. Mm-hmm. But the one rule I had was if anybody came and ran with me and they wanted to run a marathon and we got like three quarters of the way, even if they were flagging to the point where they were barely walking, but they wanted to continue and we felt like, you know, physically it was okay and safe. 
then even if that took two extra hours to complete the marathon, which would naturally eat into travel time or recovery, that was for me irrelevant. I wanted to for them to finish it. So the next challenge for me is not about trying to do something fucking crazy. It's just like, how can we continue to connect with people? But I think you have to mix it up. Mental health is always going to be my core, right? That's mm-hmm. the thing I'm passionate about the most. But I think what I've been really inspired about right now, and I feel like with the formula we have, the next challenge, I would really love to focus on the ecosystem. Okay. Which is unique. Yeah, I like this. So there's a place in mind. Yeah. And it's just a case of... Is it running? It will be running again. Okay. It will be running again. And I think we'll look at... I need to figure all that out. But right now, I think more than anything, I just really want to because I'm still trying to process and absorb what's just been done. Like there's days where I'll literally be on the sofa and be like, flipping out, you did just poop. Yeah, exactly. You pooped in a Sainsbury's bag. Like that was a big moment. You just pooped in a Sainsbury's I think also just to really acknowledge what you've done, Fala. And and I think you're pretty hard on yourself sometimes and you called it run for a million and and I can see there's maybe the little part of you like, oh, I didn't hit the million. It doesn't matter, dude. What you're doing is phenomenal. And and you should take that. You should be so proud to I am, but I I think for me, it was just a case of every pound was the difference between, you know, changing and saving a life. And so it's not a case of, you can't be disappointed about money that you never had in terms of donations. But I think it's just sort of the greater impact that that could have been made. And I think, you know, I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but I think when you look at things right now, it feels like not a lot's being done and that's probably quite harsh. And so I had my moment to try and change that as best as I possibly could. And because those moments, once they're gone, they're gone. I just wanted to make sure that I could make peace with it. And I have, don't get me wrong. Like I, from the bottom of my heart, there was nothing more myself and my team could have done to have have made it a bigger deal or exactly. to try that mo- raise that money. I just hope in future that when this happens again, you know, the people that have those platforms really utilize them. Because we, we well, that's what we're trying to do. And this is why, you know, and this is why I think even now, what I take from these things is there's always a gift and an asset from it. So for my frustrations at the mainstream media not utilizing their platform to help elevate this even more makes me realize how valuable and even more important it is that I really utilize my platform to help people. Mm. So whenever you're affected by something... I think try and see the positive within it, which is, okay, well, what, you know, having felt that way, what can I now do to to help somebody else with that situation? So, that it. It's insane, dude. Was, can we can we still donate at the moment? Yeah, I'm going to leave the donation page open until... So if know, we go onto your Instagram, we yeah. can click on the link and it's there and we can still donate, right? Yeah, run run for one million. Just click on the link. It's super easy. Or just type it in on... I'm, I mean, I'm going to leave the page open until we hit the million. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Fala, honestly, dude, I, I'm so proud of you. Um, you're one of my um, closest buddies. I just... I, I, I'm just... A, or truly, I, like, I'm in awe of what you've done. It's unbelievable. I really hope this was not a shit episode for your listeners. Are you joking? Because all your, all, your, all your episodes tend to be really funny and I feel like I've No made, freaking made... <laughs> ways, dude. Firstly, also, I've been away on honeymoon for two weeks and I just come back. This is the first one back. So, so like having this to come back to is just amazing, dude. This is freaking amazing. I swear to God. So when, can I just put you in a yeah, corner yeah. here? When are you and I going to do a project together? I would really like to. When? Well, I, I told you I've been thinking about something. It's taken eight years for me to get on your podcast. I, 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 you've been on it. I haven't. Do we find the, the, the what a cyclical this is? Um, <laughs> uh, do we find it? Alec Alphys. Alec Alphys has been on it. <laughs> Alec Alphys has Alphys been on. Alec Alphys has been on it. 
Look, I can't fight Danny Jones. Has Sam been on it? Sam's been on it in the past. You came on it. Trust me. Yeah, we'll see. No, well, for your listeners that are avid supporters, we'll find out. You look. I'm gonna find it at some point, and we'll find it. Listen, anyway, listen, I, yeah. Father, um, Mate, I'm proud of you, and thank I'm you. I'm proud of you. I love you to bits. Um, everyone, go and check out Josh's Instagram. Um, go and donate as well if you have one pound, one p, whatever it is. It would be an amazing help. And hey, buddy, um, love you. Très bien. <laughs> <laughs> Merci. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Dude, that was great, Fada. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Josh, Fada, thank you so much for coming on. What an episode. I mean, it makes me kind of want to go and run a marathon right now. I tried to run a marathon once. Um, I got to about 14 kilometers and gave up. It sucked. So I can't even imagine what his body was going through. Remember, we're on social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. So go and check it out if you haven't already. And if you haven't subscribed to Private Parts, please do because it just takes one click and it means so much. Okay, guys, we'll see you soon for another episode. Goodbye.